Welcome back to the Shema podcast. Pesach, or Passover, is around the corner. And this is the one holiday that the majority of Jews celebrate, regardless of their religious affiliation or no affiliation at all. And this is according to my own evidence. Every Jew I talk to celebrates Passover. And according to the Pew study that was done around five or six years ago, over 80% of Jews celebrate this holiday. And that is fantastic news. However, I want to share with you something that pains me to no end. And that is that so many Jews, so many of the 80% plus Jews that celebrate Pesach, that celebrate Passover, don't believe a word of what they're saying about the Exodus. They don't believe it. However, Passover is not Thanksgiving-like celebration where the sole purpose is to get family together and then tell a story that you don't really believe in so you can get to the food and you're missing out in such a big way. Look, I'm going to share with you a simple decision tree that I constructed back when I was around 14 years old. And the decision tree holds firm and solid today. The decision tree is this. If you have concluded that the exodus from Egypt did not happen. And the subsequent giving a Torah at Mount Sinai did not happen. And I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments movie version with Charlton Heston, where Moses went up the mountain, came down with the the two tablets, and presented it to the Jewish people. I'm talking about the Torah version of it. And that there was a national revelation where the entire Jewish people heard the first to mitzvot directly from God and all the subsequent events that occurred as the Torah explains. But if you conclude that none of that was true, then what are you connecting to? What is our heritage? Is it simply a group of people who made up some fantastic stories, which were basically lies, and spread those lies for generation and generation and to the rest of the world? Is that what connects you to Judaism? The founders who created a bunch of lies? I think the answer will become more clear when you ask yourself, what drives you to have a Passover Seder if you don't believe any of those events of the Exodus and the 10 plagues and all of God's revelations in that moment in time if you don't believe they really occurred? The answer was given to me by Rabbi Yochoff Wolby in a Gemara he read to me where it said that the two mitzvot that the Jewish neshama will fight like crazy to not let go of is bris milah, the covenant that binds us to sexual purity, and the Pesach or Passover Seder that connects us to the origins of what made us the Jewish people. Couldn't it be possible that the reason that you want to celebrate a Passover Seder and can't imagine not doing it when it defies all logic because you don't believe anything there actually occurred. And there's much better ways of constructing a family get-together evening. You could order in pizza, play board games, all types of great ideas I could propose. The same ones I proposed to my family when I concluded that the tour was not true. And so why are we doing this? The answer is, is your neshama knows the truth. Passover is not a Thanksgiving type meal. It's not about getting family together, although that is a wonderful benefit of it, but not the root purpose. God reveals himself throughout history and he reveals himself in different ways throughout the year. No holiday is a commemoration of historical events 
What each time of year when their holiday occurs, there's a spiritual force taking place, a spiritual godly emanation that God is bringing to the world to reconnect the Jews and to give them a springboard to catapult their spiritual growth. That is what Passover is about. It is about removing the mental constrictions of this physical world and attaching more closely and intimately with our neshama and the one that created it, the Almighty. I asked Rabbi Wolgenlenter, my dear friend, to come on today and explore the depths of this holiday with you. So I implore you to listen with an open mind. There's so much here for you. It will reconcile your intellect with what your neshama is telling you. The reason it's compelling you to have this Passover Seder every year. I want you, my dear brothers and sisters, to connect to this moment. Truly connect and understand what it is. There is something happening during the period of Passover. And that first night, the first night of Passover, when we are commanded to have the Seder, when you fulfill that mitzvah, and even if you are not able to get together with family that first night of Pesach, it doesn't matter if you are by yourself at home. This mitzvah has so much value to it as an individual, so much value to your life and ability to fulfill and to and to connect to your infinite creator in such a powerful way. And if the Passover Seder is something that you already know it's true, you already do this, then this is an episode you can share with a fellow Jew who does not understand the purpose of this night, of this period in time. Share this with them. We need every Jew needs to be connecting into this moment this year. I can assure you that Rabbi Wolgenlenter is going to open your eyes to some amazing truths. And if you listen with an open mind, it will forever change the trajectory of your life. Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwine through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. So, Rabbi Wolgenlenter, thank you so much for coming on. I sort of built up what I fully know you will be able to deliver. I'm looking forward to learning with the audience about the deep meaning of, of Pesach. So let's begin. Okay. So what's the energy of Pesach? That's the question. What are the symbols? What tools do we have? What do we have in our, in our toolbox, in our Jewish toolbox going into Pesach? These Matzah. Are the, matzah's a big one. What else do we have? The egg. Okay. You got horseradish. Okay. The haroset. The, the mortar, we'll call it the mortar. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of symbols at the, but all of those are symbols that we use at the Seder. So you have the Seder itself. Yes. The Haggadah, the text that we actually go through. The one that Maxwell House did a good job getting into every uh, every home has a couple of those. So so we have a couple symbols as we prepare for this holiday. We have a couple things that we can use and focus on to understand really what where we're meant to go and where the holiday is meant to take us. Besides for the symbols, before we even get to the symbols, just look at the name of the holiday. We have to explore some of the different names of the holiday. Everyone calls it either Pesach or Passover. 
which are definitely connected. Both the English and Hebrew are connected to each other there. It is a good translation, but it's only one aspect of it. Then we have other names for the holiday. So maybe let's go into the names. Let's talk about the names of the holiday, what those represent, and what they teach us about this, really the entire season that we're experiencing right now. This season as we transition from the cold winter to the springtime. So we know that Pesach is called the, the holiday of the spring. Okay. And there's something beautiful about that. We know Pesach is also called what we call a Passover or Pesach, Chag Pesach. It's also called Chag HaMatzot, the holiday of matzah. Right. So what do those tell us about where we're meant to go and where our minds are meant to go as we prepare for this? So the springtime, I mean, what do you think about when you think about the spring? Rebirth. Rebirth. Renewal. Yes. Right? Like a web page that's stuck and you click that refresh button, all of a sudden oh, everything pops right back up, right? <laughs> right? That's what you're coming out of the winter. That's exactly the feeling that we're meant to experience. And through the vehicle called Pesach, you can actually experience that rebirth. This was a historically... We know that it's, we tell the story, right? We're very familiar with the story. We know that we're experiencing through the story a rebirth historically of the Jewish people. And then why I say rebirth is because, or refresh, renewal, is because we were on the lowest level of impurity in Egypt, right? Right. We were one step away from disappearing. We were almost gone. And that was Paro's intention the entire time was, I'm getting rid of these people. And so, yes, he did it with wisdom, and he said, let's do it with slavery. But because he understood at the core of the Jewish people was something that was exactly the opposite of being slaves to a human master. So he understood that if he can get slavery and get the Jews into slavery, then he's undone what makes them Jewish. Right. (laughs) We have to understand what the flip side of that coin looks like. But that's what Paro understood, and that was his intention the entire time, was to destroy the Jewish people. And what makes them the Jewish people was to take that away from them by enslaving them. And so it's a time when we come back from that. Not only do we come back from that, we roar back from that to the peak and pinnacle of our experience as Jews, which is in a few short days standing at Mount Sinai. Like you talked about, that experience, that national revelation, like a few short weeks after this, we're coming roaring, shooting out of it like a little, like a pinball, right? Like you pull pull that thing, whatever it's called, all the way back, right? Right. You pull that thing all the way back and you launch that pinball and it's, that's the fastest it's ever going to go. It gets to the top of the machine, it comes down and you can, you know, click around and play around and shoot, shoot it around, it goes up and down, but... In the end of the day, that energy that's, that, is, that is coiled up in that pinball machine, in that ball, as you shoot it, is rebirth and renewal. So I was going to ask you, too, there's obviously part of the story is also why God orchestrated events to cause us to be enslaved by Pharaoh. Because that was part of the design as well, but that spring analogy used sort of lays it out. It created that energy by bringing us that 49th level defilement, almost like totally broken, but not broken. And then he swoops in, reveals himself, and we just... It's off to the races. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, that's, that's the renewal on a national level. And that's what you said we come around. And you say it so nonchalantly, like it's, uh, you take it for granted. But just focus on that for a moment. The idea of coming back to that the energy that is in the air every year when you get back to a holiday or you get back to a time of the year. Like when we think about that, 
to, to be able to tap into the same level of energy, the same level, not your own little kind of little kind of like similar, you know, something, something like you could taste a little bit of it. No, 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 no. You get back to that full level of energy that was put into the Jewish people at the time of the Exodus. But obviously you can't get there if you don't prepare for it. People come into Pesach and say, listen, I, you know, I did the whole Haggadah. I did all the days of Pesach. I ate the matzah. I did the whole thing. But did I, did I feel anything? I don't know if I feel any different. Well, did you, did you psych yourself up? Did you get yourself in the mindset to experience it? They say in order to really receive something spiritually, and really it's like this in the physical world also, right? You want a cup of water. I got to give you a cup first. We got to start with the cup, right? We got to start with the vessel. Right. And so the idea is, is that in the days and the weeks before Passover, really starting from the beginning, really it starts from Purim, but that's for another discussion. But really in the weeks, in the two weeks before, that half a month that we have from the beginning of the month of Nisan, the Jewish month of Nisan, mm-hmm. all the way until Pesach is the time to create those vessels, make the cup that can be then filled with the taste of renewal, freedom, the taste of matzah, what the experience of matzah, the ideas that you're going to present at the Seder. It's a time to prepare. And the same way that preparations are being made in stores right. and they're being made in kitchens and they're being made in garages all over the Jewish world, <laughs> right? I mean, wherever you can, you're setting up shop to cook because, you know, you know I, always, I always say <laughs> – it's the funniest. On the intermediate days of Passover, right? So a lot of times people are off from work. They take off from work and you take it a little easy. Um, but it's not a holiday. So you have less shul time mm-hmm. and you're allowed to drive and you're, you know, you can travel around and people spend it really, you know, good quality family time. I guess it's become the tradition. Right. And I always say that, like, you know, when you pack up in the morning because you're going on a boating trip on Passover in the middle and in the intermediate days. You pack up food as if you're like going away for like three weeks because you know that once you leave the house, it's not like you can just pop into a gas station or a store and pick up some chametz free food right. or get some extra matzah wherever you're going if you're going to the beach or whatever. So yeah. you're, you're stuck. So you pack up like it's so funny to see families pack up. You know, you got like enough hard boiled eggs for like months. Uh, you could it's like the uh, the ultimate survival kit, but you have months and months of food. <laughs> in the back of your car that was always what i uh what i commented as we were growing up and packing up suitcases of food to go out for six hours right well we just uh, got warned this year like start shopping now yeah don't leave it for last minute for yeah. sure don't leave it for last minute but it, you know what i think that's there's really a deeper message in that yeah it's true we have to prepare for our physical stuff Right. Three weeks before, four weeks before, you know, like if you see it on the shelf, buy it. Don't be like, oh, I'll get that closer to the holiday. No. If you see it there, buy it. Stuff sells out. This, You know, like after the winter storm, when you saw those shelves, like that's the Passover section, the three days before Passover. Right. Right. You, you need an ingredient. Get it now. Stock it. Stock up. Stock up now because it's going to disappear. But I think there's a deeper message for that. Because I was going to say you're going to get to. It's more than my wife freaking out and going back and forth to the store already today twice. Yeah, well, you don't. You don't have a choice, right? But but there's there. You're building up anticipation. Ah, uh, it's building up anticipation. It's ex, it's the excitement. It's in the air. Yeah, and it's so in the air. Pesach is so in the air that we have like Walmart. Telling us like you got to prepare now, right? You have Randalls and the, the local the local supermarkets are telling you like you got to make preparations for this, both 
for the physical stuff that you need, your food, but you also have to make spiritual preparations. You have to create vessels in order to be able to hold the energy of Pesach, the energy that you experience. So start thinking along these lines. I think this is like, it's like perfect timing to be talking about this because it's not too early, right? right. Because there's these little things that we need to prepare ourselves, these things that we need to get in our mind. And so that's the first thing is the idea of renewal. And we talked about it a minute ago on a national level, but everything that we're going to say is also, if not more intense, on a personal level. And so use this time to create the feeling like I'm going to, this is Nisan is the first of the Jewish calendars, right? We know we have Rosh Hashanah, it starts the Jewish New Year, but on the calendar, the first of the months is Nisan, right? For many things in the Talmud, Nisan is used as the beginning of the year. And when we talk about this as the beginning of the year, this is like, you know, New Year's resolutions without the pressure of Rosh Hashanah, without the pressure of the high holidays, without having to come to say, you know, uh, I'm going to do Teshuva and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a better year. We're talking a whole different level of New Year's resolutions, which is this calendar year, this Jewish calendar year is going to be a different year for me. And I'm ready to renew myself. I'm ready to come into things fresh. I'm ready to look for new insights, new inspiration, new pathways towards coming close to Hashem. And that is, you know, when you start thinking those thoughts, you're then open. You've created that cup that you can then pour into. Okay. So that's the first thing. Beautiful. And you're going to teach us how to make the cup. Ah, well, through thinking about it, just let's just start. Let's start the discussion, right? Let's start the discussion. For every person, it's different how to create that vessel. But let's, you know, you know what creates the vessel is, is, is being aware of these themes that are in the holiday, that are coming out through the holiday, being aware of them, discussing them, talking about them, making them part of your vocabulary in the weeks leading up to it, because then you'll start seeing the messages. You'll start seeing the messages come to you. Someone will send you a little... A little, hey, I saw this idea, or I want you to read this article about Passover, and you'll start seeing that everything feeds into that vessel that you're creating. Okay. And isn't part of creating a vessel when it comes to spirituality about a sense of yearning for something? Ah, you mentioned it before, right. It's such a major part of attaining any level in spirituality. The rabbis tell us is that the yearning for it, in fact, builds up the anticipation for it. So that creates in it of itself the energy necessary to attain that spiritual level. Right. It's back to our, you know, our pinball or our little ball of energy. Right? right. When you are yearning for it and you add layers of yearning and you yearn and you want and you desire more to be able to attain that level, then when you're finally able to take the step to, to reach that level... You have all the energy you need to get over the hump because that's when the battle comes, right? Right. (laughs) That's when when the challenge comes, the two days before Passover when the oven breaks. Okay, that's the first name. The first name and the first concept, I think, is, is renewal. Renewal and personal renewal, renewal in your relationships, saying, you know, I've gotten into a rut. I've gotten into a, a, a rut in a relationship or this relationship is not turning out where I want it to be. And to be able to say, you know what, I want to hit the refresh button and I want to come at that relationship with a new uh, and create a new experience and create a different, a different direction for that relationship is something that's all built into Passover and built into the energy that is in the air. And so use the time, use the time wisely for that to, to really to refresh things. That's the first one, okay? The, the second name of the holiday, and really there's 
The way the Torah calls it, and the way the Torah refers to the holiday, is Chag HaMatzot, the holiday of Matzah. Yes. So it's obvious that if you want to say Pesach, you can't have Pesach without Matzah. You can't right. have Matzah without Pesach. Matzah not on Pesach is just not the same. Right. There's something special about Matzah and Pesach and the relationship between the two of them. And the other name I, I heard from, from a great rabbi, he said that this, this other name is actually the other side of that same name. So we have the name that's called the holiday of Matzah. And then on the other side, we have what we call it in basically in rabbinic literature is Pesach. And that's right. why that became the name, because that's what we classically as the Jewish people called this holiday is Pesach. Pesach means Passover. Okay. So what's the idea? What's the idea in both of these? You have the holiday of matzah on one side, like the Torah calls it, which we can kind of say is like, that's how God called the holiday. But we didn't adopt that name. We adopted a different name. We don't call it matzah day. We call it Passover, Pesach. So what's the idea? So I heard from uh, Rebbe Yitzchak of Bardichev. Okay, the Bardichever says that this is representative of the of the fact that God, when he looks at this holiday, he says, what I want from you, what I'm giving to you is matzah, is the gift of matzah. We'll explore this more. But there's a difference when we look at the holiday, we say what we give to God, what we recognize about the holiday is Pesach is the fact that God passed over the homes of the Egyptians and, you know, at the, at the plague of the firstborn and was able to get us out of Egypt, right? He, We're he kind he of passed, focused. He passed over the homes of the... Of the Jews. Sorry. Thank yes. you. Okay. Yes. For those watching at home, thank you. That means Dan's still listening. So, <laughs> so yeah. So it means that, that we were focused on the fact that God passed over the, our homes, saved us, and took us out of Egypt, right? Yes. Okay. So what's going on here? The idea is, is that in a relationship, and we have to understand that we, we are in deeply in a relationship with God, we as the Jewish people and we as individuals. And in a relationship, each side gives the thing that each side contributes to make that relationship a great thing, right? right. And so what we realize is, is that God tells us, what I want from you is to focus on matzah. What, I'm, what I want you to contribute is to focus on the matzah. And we'll talk about the matzah in a minute, okay? Please. Let's just keep that as a placeholder um, in our minds. What we say to God is that we realize that he is also invested in the relationship. And our number one proof for the fact that God's invested in this relationship is the fact that he saved us from Egypt. Right. In, by passing over our homes, right, not killing us with the Egyptians, not making us, you know, just disappear as a little speck on the big, uh, the big timeline of history. And he kept us around through everything, represented by the plague of the firstborn when he actually saved the Jewish people. And he himself was involved, personally involved, like that verse says. And I myself passed over the home of the Jewish people. Right, that God came to kill the Egyptians, but He Himself was involved in saving the Jewish people. No, uh, no messenger, nothing like that. This was God Himself, and so we recognize that God is also invested in this relationship. So we are invested in what He wants. For, he wants us to experience matzah, and we recognize that and pray for and plead and hope and yearn for God to continue to be invested in this relationship, personally invested. He himself taking charge of the world and, you know, manipulating our destiny as the Jewish people. And so those are really, they go hand in hand and they really tell us a lot about Pesach because what is matzah? 
What's matzah? Right? <laughs> what is it? Who knows? Right? <laughs> Who knows? What is it? I mean, what do you see in matzah? Unleavened, constipating bread. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not like that's, the- it's great the first night. And after a while, you're like, I'll give you a hint because this way, if it's not a Saturday, right? So yeah. meaning, if it's just a regular holiday part of Pesach, or it's a time when you're allowed to cook, let's say, okay, mm-hmm. which would not be on Shabbos when it's when it's Shabbos and Pesach. On any of the other days, if you take your matzah that was baked probably around Hanukkah time, by the way, <laughs> right. right, which is definitely how it tastes, if not before that. If you take your matzah and you stick it in the oven, this is called a pro tip, okay? I'm giving this out for free. Okay. My hotline, call me. Okay. Pro tip, right? Okay. Here's a pro tip, okay? Take your matzah, stick it in the oven, 350 for like four minutes. Okay. Don't toast it. Just stick it in there and you take it out. It will taste... Almost as if it just came out of the bakery. Really? Wild. It'll change your matzah experience. Okay. okay? <laughs> It'll Beautiful. change your matzah experience. But let's go to something else that you said. You said that it's unleavened bread, right? Right. So what's the difference between, essentially, the essential difference between matzah and what we're not allowed or what we're meant to be removing and staying away from on Pesach and chametz? What is the essential difference between the two? Isn't just... Pretty much air. It's air, nothing, time. Yeah. Matzah is baked in under 18 minutes because anytime you mix the water and the flour together and leave it for longer than 18 minutes and you just leave it, yeah, air, but time really, okay. right? When you just leave it for a longer period of time, it becomes chametz. So that's why the matzah is baked very quickly in order to keep under that 18-minute baking time, which is the time that we know that it doesn't start rising. Okay. Right? Okay. So essentially, the difference between chametz and matzah, between leavened products and unleavened bread, is just time. Okay. Okay? So what does that tell us about our Jewish experience? It's just about time. <laughs> it is about time. It is about time. But what does it tell us? What is that? What what insight? What insight could we learn from there? It's something to do with not delaying. Things need to be done quickly. Ah 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 ah. So you ever watch a kid who wants to get a popsicle? Imagine yeah. the situation, right? Kid wants to get a popsicle, so he like zooms to the freezer, right? right. Yeah. Throws the door open, climbs up the up the shelves, right. gets to the popsicle shelf, pulls it out, opens it up, pops it out. He's got his popsicle, right? Exactly. There's an excitement. There is something that is like, I, I can't waste time when I do this. Right. Right. That, that, that alacrity is what we're trying to get towards, I guess, mitzvot and growth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that, is the idea in matzah is the idea that there's not a lot of time, is that you have to go okay. and grab as much as you can, right? In fact, the rabbis say, when a mitzvah comes to your hand, do not let it become chametz. Beautiful. What do you mean? When a mitzvah comes to you and don't let it become chametz, it means don't just be lackadaisical. Okay, when I get to it, I get to it, right. right? Okay, you know what? If I don't daven right now, I'll daven later. I'll get there. I'll, I'll you know, I'll check the box and whatever. No, when, the, when you want that popsicle, as a child, you go, you zoom in there, right? Right. And so what happens to us in life? Why don't we approach everything like that? Let's talk about, forget about Judaism. Why don't we approach right. everything like that? It's like, I trudge to, to work, right? Right. I'm like, I'm happy that there's a traffic jam on the way to work because right. like, amazing. I could just go a little slower yeah. and not get there. And then when you talk about mitzvot and Torah observance and right. connecting to God, you know, for a lot of the things that we do, we're lacking that excitement. 
for many of the things that we do. And we kind of have to, in fact, focus on it or like revive that excitement and wake ourselves up a little bit, you know, to get excited about things. And so what, what is that? That's the effects of time. And that's time in a longer, I'm, I'm expanding time to say like, it's the effects of life, of the time just that since we've been a child. When you're a kid, I mean, besides for school, and even for a lot of kids, like going to school, you bound out the door and you go to school. Like you go to carpool, you know, you get right. on the bus, you jump up those steps. And it's just like as adulthood sets in and as more of at the time of our lives sets in, we just, we become this, this slow moving, slow processing thing when it comes to everything, including spirituality and including connecting to Hashem. And that is what we're meant to be reversing. It's that process that we're meant to be reversing in eating something that doesn't have a lot of time applied to it. Okay. Eating something that says there's not a lot of time. We got to grab what we can. We can get lazy. We say, listen, I can, if I don't do it this year, I'll do it next year. You know, I really got, got to get to the gutters. If it's not this Sunday, it'll be next Sunday. But really in everything, it's like, no, you got to grab the opportunities that you have. God's giving you a chance, a moment, a time. He's giving you a, an experience. So grab that experience. Is there something about the hummets that is the distractions that sometimes we pursue those with alacrity yes. versus the more important things. <laughs> yes. There's a good trick of the evil inclination and the, uh, you know, like they say, the dark side. Right. The good trick is, is that the, the door to the pleasures of that he offers is very easy to open. In fact, it's probably, he probably just leaves the front door open. There's like no barrier. When it comes to things that are on the spiritual side, things that can help our soul and help us grow and help us become greater people, those things seem to always have distractions and things that block them. But there's not really any extra, you know, like when you say matzah and chametz, there's not really any extra ingredient when it comes to making chametz. No, just walk right through the door. Just... It's very easy to access those right. things. Yes, definitely. The other thing to... So when we talk about concepts or themes, ideas that we find in the matzah and in chametz, so now if there is a reason for staying away from chametz and a reason for eating matzah, it makes the experience of eating it all the more meaningful. Because what you're in fact doing is ingesting bringing deep, deep, deep into your body, making yourself, your body, one with whatever ideas you can come across and whatever this chametz and staying away from chametz and matzah, whatever those things symbolize, right? Whatever symbolism you find in it. So I think it also, when you create these vessels, it changes the way that you clean a house for Pesach. We're obviously going to clean and we're going to get rid of chametz but we're not only getting rid of the physical chametz. Yes, we are. But that's meant to teach us something. That's meant to tell us, go find that part of your life that is chametz. Go find the part of your life that says, I'm disconnected from when I was a child and I had that exuberance, excitement, passion for things. Right. Go find that stuff and get rid of it. Don't only look in the cupboards in the kitchen. Look inside the cupboards of your heart, the little closets and the little crevices and the cracks and go find the chametz in there also. Right. Go clean it out. Right. Go find that stuff. So that and then on the on the flip side for eating matzah, 
when you're eating matzah is you are now taking whatever idea you say. So if matzah means really what it means is excitement, passion, uh, I want to uh, alacrity. I want to go quickly to grab as many good deeds and good as much spirituality as I can. When we say that that's what matzah is, so now think about that when you eat it. it changes every bite that you take. You're ingesting these ideas. You're taking it and making yourself one with these ideas, in fact. That's idea number one. Chametz and matzah. The other idea of matzah, just very basic, is the idea that leavened dough, what it's doing is it's rising. And like you said, air originally, but that is an added ingredient because that is, it's rising. It's taking up more space in the world. And we know that in Judaism, we're taught that one of the good character traits that we can work on is being, being humble, being low. It doesn't mean being depressed, but it means understanding my place in history and understanding where I fit in and understanding that the gifts that I may have came straight from God, the physical things that I have, understanding all those things. And they're not a result of, you know, I'm so awesome, I'm so amazing, or having any uh, being haughty is something that we stay away from. And so one of the, another message in the matzah is to be, to view yourself as a matzah, not as chametz, not as leavened bread, as something high, puffed up, walk around, you know, with your head up, I'm the best in the world. I'm the most talented, fill in the blank in the world, right? Right. No, we have to work on our humility and work on that. Really, another element of humility is simplicity. It's just not overthinking things. A lot of times when we talk about faith in God, emunah, Rabbi Nachman says the main level of emunah is to come with sim- simple faith. Simple faith, I believe. Ani ma'amin, I believe. And to work on that through the story of Pesach, I mean, what better example or reason do we have to believe in God in for what he did to our forefathers and the amazing details that we have about this story? The miracles that he did and the way that God changed nature all for who? For you and for me, for the Jewish people. And so to think about that really, you know, it affects your emunah. Okay. And it affects your understanding of just be a simple person. Because the truth is, obviously, we know every question is on the table. You're allowed to ask any question. But sometimes the evil inclination of the Yetzirah, he tries to put in like, you know, tries to make you a little bit too sophisticated. And it's like sometimes it's like, whoa, let's slow down. Can we just look at this simply? Because maybe in the most simple thing is really the deepest. And the humility is also... A way we create that vessel that you started off discussing. Yes, yes, That's yes. That's what you got to. You got to empty the cup, and the the ego slash Yetzirah is what can fill it up, and we can't bring in anything from the uh, the event, from learning Torah, from experiencing the mitzvah. Correct? Exactly, exactly. To be ready to receive, to be ready to receive, you have to be willing to concede that there is something missing, yes, <laughs> right? and that we don't know it all, and that we're constantly learning and constantly experiencing new levels of understanding. And, uh, and yeah, that's all in the matzah. And so when we eat the matzah, it's a time to, especially at the Seder, it's a time to really think about these concepts, think about the idea of matzah as the the food of freedom although we ate it at first in you know as we leave Egypt but matzah is the food of freedom it's the matzah is the one that 
frees you. Matzah is the food that frees you, allows you to experience things in a humble way, allows you to experience things in a passionate, excited, youthful way. It's also simplicity, right? But matzah allows you, it frees you, which is why the rabbis call it. It's the food of freedom. Matzah is the food of freedom. But one thing I'd like you to address is that we were freed from Pharaoh, but then he brought us to Mount Sinai and says, now you basically are my servants, if you will. So reconcile that where that freedom resides in if he basically put us in bondage in Egypt for all those years to turn us into the mindset of a servant so then he could become our master. So I would say, yes, you're right. Seeing Egypt as the training ground for understanding that we are going to be a nation that is forever serving God and willing servants of God, that Egypt was the training ground for that. But what changed? What was the difference? The difference was that in Egypt, the master did not want the best thing for his servants. Right. All he wanted was the end result, complete and total destruction. They should just disappear from being Jews. And that's all he wants. And what transforms in the through the Exodus, what the transformation that takes place is that we now serve someone who says, I want the best for you. And this form of service, this form of our relationship where you understand your place, you understand my involvement in your life, that and the fact that I am want only the best thing for you is I would be much more willing to work for a, to serve a master like that. And the other element is that we're forgetting is that we develop this relationship so deeply that it's like the relationship of a son to a father. So it is true. We do say that God is the Melech, God is the king, but don't forget the other half. He's also Avinu, right? He's also our father. Absolutely. And so, and there's also an element too that what we do become free of is other men and what plays out during the 10 plagues and the splitting of the Red Sea is we actually can become free of the effects of nature because God's the one that's controlling all them and we work and are connected directly to God. There's nothing holding us back, right? right? Like the way you just put it, there's there's literally nothing holding us back from achieving the goal that our soul knows we need to do, which is achieving bringing more more godliness into the world. Through all of our actions and all of our experiences, interactions, everything, bringing more godliness into the world, making this world a place where God says, ah, you've uncovered the beauty of me, of the creator of the world. You've brought that out into the world. There's nothing holding us back from achieving that. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, most definitely. So those are, those are some ideas in chametz and matzah. There are many more. And, but I think that, I think that people, you know, listeners need to explore, go find it. It's so easy to access, right? I mean, shameless plug for what? For the internet, right? I mean, go use technology, go find your local connection source, you know, but go find, go read more about Passover. We still have time. There's still time to order on Amazon. Go find a new Haggadah or a new book of essays on Passover. There's some really, really beautiful stuff out there. And just read. Put yourself in the mindset. Prepare yourself to be able to be a receptacle, to be a vessel, to be able to accept the energies that are that are out there. Is, is there anything else you want to add with regard to the, the Passover component of the Pesach holiday? Because there's multiple layers to that too, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Pesach is the name of the actual sacrifice, right? The the sacrifice of the Paschal Lamb that we did, which was symbolic of us at that point really slaying the gods of the Egyptians at the request of our God, the ultimate power in the world, and really separating ourselves, like you said, transforming from slave to slaves to man to becoming these unbound nation that was free to go and, and achieve their mission. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there is an element of it in there that has to do with the sacrifice and the Paschal Lamb, and which is very important to study about also. I mean, the beauty of what they did in the temple when they would bring the Paschal Lamb, this beautiful um, recounting, uh, historical recounting from the, I think there's a Roman historian from the end of the Second Temple period, I believe who was stationed in Jerusalem and witnessed them bringing the Paschal lamb, the sacrifice, right. at the end of the second temple. And, um, and it's just beautiful to write how the Talmud describes what they would do and how they would bring it. And um, so that's one element to the name Pesach. But going back to passing over, I think the focus there is on the personal connection that each and every one of us has with God. So... I made an order today of something that we needed for Pesach, happens to be from Costco. I did it with Instacart, mm-hmm. and um, they were sold out at that Costco. And so I, they canceled the order. They don't have it. Okay, fine. I have, to go to, I have to go drive to the other Costco. So that could be a frustration. That could be an annoyance. But then as I'm driving there, I said, is there another way to look at it? Is there another way to look at this experience? And I say, yeah, it was too easy. I don't know. This is my message. Like right. ordering it from my phone was too easy, right? You're like, you're supposed to be helping for Pesach, right? <laughs> you're like, I helped. I pulled out my phone and went click, click, tap, tap. And then uh, I put in the order for what we needed. No, no. We've got to put in some effort for this, right? It right. doesn't come easy. This is, on, we're on our way to attaining a new level of spirituality. And that's something that you got to work for. And so today, the message for me was, no, you got to work for it a little bit. And so I drove to the other Costco in, uh, in the other part of town. And I found what we needed. And I got it. And I was successful. It was there. They were not sold out. I was very, uh, I was very grateful. I feel like that, the only way to f- believe that that is a message or to start thinking about things in your life and saying, are these messages for me? Is if there's someone sending the message. And if God is just running the world kind of, uh, you know, from the backseat and we we are in full control, or there's a certain level of, you know, randomness and stuff just happens, then yeah, they were sold out because every once in a while a store is sold out of an item. And it's just, just happens to be my unlucky day. I had to schlep to the other Costco, right? But, but when we believe that, no, there's a personal connection. God's there watching out for each and every one of us. They're sending us messages. They're calling to us. That little voice comes through in all of our life's experiences. And so I think that when we celebrate a holiday and we focus so much, in fact, name the holiday after the fact that God said, that house Egyptian, okay, go get them. That house, Jewish house, okay, then I'm going to take care of those people. That house, Egyptian, go get them. That house, Jewish, I'm going to take care of them. The fact that God himself personally involved in our destiny, in the every step of our lives, that idea, I think, is so central to the 
to the message of Pesach. And that's something that we can come out with after a number of days of celebrating Pesach is something that we can come out with is God sending me messages. You know how I know? Because he's watching everything that I do. He's taking care of me. He's intimately involved in my life. He is propelling me towards greatness. If I'll only listen, listen out for that little voice, for that thin little voice, if I'll only listen out, then that's the, you know, you can hear it through the holiday of Pesach. And I think that's why we focus on that, that, that episode of passing over. Did you have another idea in mind? Well, I mean, similar to that, but that it, it, it shows that he was so intimately involved that the idea of just random occurrences of nature, he absolutely just ruled out. You know, it wasn't the one that was social distancing with a face mask was okay. And the other one was, uh, got, got sick. Right. It was, I'm controlling everything. I don't care if there was Egyptians right next door to a Jew. They were fine. The Egyptians, their firstborn were taken from them. So I think that's a very important message for us to dwell on. Yeah. I understand too that the, the root word of Pesach also is from a, a word for like leap or jump, like mm-hmm. to signify what you mentioned in the beginning about this is a time to spring forward in our spirituality and connection. Is that accurate? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because really that's what, when we say Passover, what it means is he jumped from home to home, right? Like he, that it's all in the same word. But yes, yes, to leap, to go over, to bound forward, right? Right. Um, so yeah, most yeah, definitely. Okay, definitely. so to, to, to summarize here, you know, what we need to be doing between now and then is building ourselves into, into these vessels to take a leap forward in our spirituality. And that comes from, for one, for the preparations and during those preparations, building up anticipation and, and yearning for this event and yearning for the ability to grow closer. And one of the other components of that is through the cleaning out the hummets and, and looking for the hummets in the home and, and only eating, going to a point where we're only eating matzah is to take in that, that sense of humility. Because from that, that humility that we know that we are utterly dependent on God, everything we know, everything we have comes from Him. And when we take have that state of mind, that's what's going to help us seize the moment. That's exactly it. Beautiful. That's exactly it. Let's start, let's start preparing ourselves, right? This, this podcast should be one of the tools used, but go find other tools. Listeners got to go find other tools. I got to go find other tools. We got we to gotta read. We got to watch. We got to experience, right? right? This is a great time to take a break from Netflix. It'll be waiting for you after Pesach, right? It's <laughs> like, we, there's like, there's not enough time. It's like, just imagine that feeling if you, if a person doesn't prepare and then they get to the night before Passover and they're like, I have to clean my entire house tonight. Right. Get all the chametz out and go shopping for matzah. Everything in the last 10, 10 hours, 12 hours, 15 hours, there's just not enough time. So start now. Start preparing now and prepare for it. Prepare, create that vessel, like you said, create that vessel in order to be able to accept the energy that's in the air. Wonderful. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. So you'll come back next Sunday and give us a nice little tutorial on the more practical how-to, everything we need to do. Schedule it. Beautiful. Schedule it. Awesome. Coming next week. Stay tuned. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.